Half Radio Plaza at Life Media Studios, sidetracked with Armstead and Push. Brought to you by the Second Baptist Bar and Grill, your exorcism specialist. Thank you, Mr. Osborne. Welcome to episode number one. I am Charles Posh. And I am Andrew Armstead. What are we going to do? First show? Are we crazy or what? Yeah, I think we just might be. I guess first things first. Why in the world are we here? To drink beer. Well, beyond that. <laughs> I guess we're going to talk a bunch of tractor pulling like we've said in our previews. We're going to start out. We're going to cover everything from the antique tractors all the way up to unlimited modifieds, grand national, super national, everything in between. Gosh, that's a lot of material to cover. Are we biting off more than we can do? I hope not. I think it'll be me make work for us uh every single week all year long that's our intended goal yeah once a week uh fridays will be the debut of the show this is pre-recorded to edit out any goofs we might make that i doubt we would we're perfect anyways so and if we're not our uh, mr engineer mr nick meyer life media studios is on the third microphone the third voice you're gonna hear oh i hope we don't hear him very often Normally just calling us idiots anyways, so what else is new? I'm surrounded by idiots. Yep. He's going to operate all the drops, and uh, we will try our best not to talk over them. Oh, boy. So, what do we want to start off with? I know we got a lot of material lined up for our first show here. Probably first things first should be, who the heck are we and what credibility have we established? Ladies and gentlemen, I give you your moron. Well, I believe we're all uh, escapees from the local uh, mental facility. I hear something beeping. It's on my ankle. Oh, well, you'll have that. Or is that from your DUI? You can see the future. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself there, Charles? I mean, you know yourself the best, I think. Uh, I suppose. I I was approached by several people to do something like this about a year or so ago. I wasn't in a place to do it uh, professionally or my personal life. It just wasn't something. It was when uh, Pulling Radio Network was getting its start about 14 months ago and just really couldn't, wasn't something I could pull off. But after the end of the season um, this past summer, uh, it was an idea that came back into my head and I, I approached you and said, this is something we can do. You thought so. We thought we'd be we had plenty we could talk about and, and kind of replicate actually our pit side and garage bar stool conversations, if you will, and, and let people in on that audience. But really, yeah, we had a little bit of the technical knowledge to do it, but you really brought the piece together and that's the man on the other side of this table. Yeah. Nick giving us a great hand here, help, coming in, helping us out. Kind of everything fell together really quick on this. We got rolling and just for the basic decisions from uh, one point to the next, even just the name of the show itself, Sidetracked with Armstead Bosch, fell together. There wasn't any debate about it, just first idea. 
No, the name, the logo, everything was decided pretty much, not even with the phone conversation, it was done over text one night. Done. Yeah, and actually we've graduated to Facebook Messenger now. I mean, every day we're going back and forth on stuff. Yeah. So. But uh, how, how I came to be here, um, went to my first poll when I was two and a half years old with my dad at the Armada Fair, and it's probably my earliest conscious memory. I don't really remember any of the people there. I don't remember exactly what I saw, but I remember sitting on his shoulders at the southeast corner of the arena and watching watching some tractor pulling, and it always stuck with me. But growing up, I didn't know anybody personally in the sport. I didn't have any family connections to it. You know, Growing up in Romeo, yeah, it's a rural orchard farm, truck farm community, but I didn't know anybody directly involved with it. And so really, I just grew up as the super fan, so to speak, uh, which back in the 80s meant print media and whatever the announcer told you. That's that's all you knew. And it wouldn't be till I graduated from, from college in 2000 that the opportunity came to join a new upstart group here in East Michigan. And I did so. And um, through the generosity of the other members, got the chance to drive and 45 minutes later, I was on the mic because within that group, everybody does everything. So, yes, I was a puller before I was an announcer, and I'm proud of that. But uh, the bigger contribution for me has definitely come through announcing. So it's been it's been a 15-year ride through all sorts of groups here in the state. Um, hopefully going to join you over in Ontario this summer. Uh, worked in Ohio looking for more, bigger and better things all the time. Um, I've been a contributing writer, photographer, whatnot to the hook magazine as well so anything short of the driver's seat that's that's my place i guess well a lot of story there actually i guess i might as well give mine now i've been around the sport long as i can remember probably about two three years old my parents said they waited till we could uh keep our headphones in our ears you know drowned out the sound when we started going so i was probably about two year, two three years old started going to tractor pulls, everything, you know, Grand National, National, going to Inwood. Um, got my first pulling experience, uh, pedal pull down at the St. Clair County 4-H Fair back actually when the pulls were not done in the uh, Horseshoe Arena they have now. No, it was actually done in the Sand Horse Pits with an old pullback sled, but I uh, took second place in my first pedal pull and been hooked ever since. First time actually in the driver's seat getting the start with that up and coming group you started with charles uh probably we started pulling the f- same day the first time i believe that would have been goodles would have been the first event for them um actually it was i was not there for that okay um, it, it was later in the season for me i was up north of gaylord okay was the first time yep so i got my first pull that was about 14 years ago been pulling ever since competing with the eastern michigan tractor pulling association and uh, making the jump up to thumb tractor pullers about three seasons ago now. Uh, about two years ago, uh, Charles approached me and asked me about uh, announcing with him just based on our garage talks and the Second Baptist Bar and Grill. And uh, so that's kind of blossomed off big time announcing for thumb tractor pullers. Uh, getting the start this year with Southwestern Ontario over in Canada. And uh, I guess I might as well make the announcement. Some people do know, some don't. I'm going to be getting a great opportunity, thanks to Mr. Brian Lively. Going to be going down to the Gordyville Pole down in uh, Gifford, Illinois. I'm going to be announcing one class. It's three classes, actually. Uh, On Saturday afternoon, I'll be doing the 5,900-pound Pro Farm class, the naturally aspirated super stocks, 
and uh, the V8 Hot Rod class. So one right in my stable, another class coming from the Mid-Missouri Tractor Pullers, and one uh, guy who actually got us our tickets last year to help us out. Kind of nice I had to do that. Yep. So, uh, and and thanks to our good buddy Brian Lively at the Hook Magazine and Pro Pulling Magazine for for hooking Drew up with that opportunity. Uh, unfortunately, I can't be there. Yeah. What What was that poor reason you have for passing up your first national An hook? Excellent one. I'm going to be in Utah. Kiss ass. Yes, I am. <laughs> if I know what's good for me, <laughs> that'll be a first. To go to Utah? No, to know what's good for you. Yes, to both. <laughs> so anyway, that's enough about the two of us, how we came to be here, and, and what our lack of credibility is. But uh, let's move right on to the news. And if you listen to the uh, pilot show, we paid tribute to a wonderful man, Frank Macko. Well, we've got some other people that we need to talk about, and the first up is going to be Ron Scott. Yeah, great puller running down in uh, the Maumee Valley area of Ohio. I've uh, seen him come up a few times. Uh, Minden City's normally one he'll come up for. I believe he's been up for Ubley. Um, ran two beautiful semi-freightliners, cab-over units. Uh, interesting bit of note about them. Consecutive serial number trucks. Indeed they are. Stout runners, and uh, unfortunately getting word about a month ago, uh, Ron passing of a sudden illness. Uh, unfortunately, never really got to know the guy, but definitely was uh, impact on the sport up here in the thumb area. Not a lot of semis running with us. No, they were probably the, the most professional and polished of the few that we did see. And I'm not taking anybody anything away from anybody else who came and pulled with us, but they were always top shelf at Minden. We saw them. I saw them at Shiawassee. Got to announce them yep. several years there. Came to know the story. Uh, and again, like you, never really had the opportunity to speak to them. Seemed like we, you know, they always knew the semi class would be last. So they were kind of rolling in about the time the show was up and running and didn't have the opportunity to break away and, and speak to them. But um, a hole will definitely be, be left behind by his absence. Well, we unfortunately, we lost two this year that, uh, or since we've done our pilot show, another one we definitely have to bring up. Guy every puller saw at all the thumb tractor pullers at the registration booth. Mr. Uh, Larry Pewterball. Yeah, Larry, uh, it, if you're a fan of TTPA pulling here in Michigan, and I'm going to get hyper-local here for a minute, you knew his tractor, uh, he, the Black Magic Farm All-M in the Six Farm class, usually John Smith in the seat. Larry did drive it on rare occasions, but if you were a puller, every single one of us knew who he was because that was the guy you handed your entry fee money to every single night for I don't know how many years. Yeah, as long as I've been there, did I've gotten to know got to know Larry a little better uh, when I did the Northern Swing for uh, thumb tractor pullers, going to the tip of the mitten up to uh, Sheboygan and then going down to Alpena for uh, two days back to back show there. And Larry doing a lot of work for Thumb behind the scenes. I don't think a lot of the pullers really realized. And uh, Larry getting taken to us from us very suddenly, massive heart attack, and uh, definitely a big, big void that's got to be filled in thumb with responsibilities. But a guy that you really could never replace, very pleasant, never really showed a ton of emotion, negative toward anything. I never heard him say one bad thing about anybody, no, ever, no. 
So, uh, Mr. Pewterball, definitely going to miss you. And uh, what we want to do with our show is uh, if you have a puller that you know passed in the recent time here, uh, get a hold of us at AP at uh, sidetrackpulling.com. Shoot us an email. Give us a little biography about them. Uh, tied a little obituary to us, whatever. Uh, and we definitely want to give credit because this is a big polling family spanning coast to coast, two different countries involved, um, even overseas. I mean, it is a big polling family. So uh, definitely want to give the respect where needed. Yeah, you said the word family. That's exactly what this is all about. Everything that we do, definitely tied to that idea. A couple other things, a little bit of house cleaning to do in the news. I want to bring you right up to date this week. Um, I promised it in the pilot show to get everything caught up on uh, TTPA again, being hyper-local here for a minute within the eastern half of the state of Michigan with 10,000 farm. Did talk to Ed Sherbridge a couple days ago. No major changes for those guys. Their rule book was open. Just uh, some tightening of language, so to speak, uh, and making things a little bit more clear. And that, that appears to be the end for them, which is good. Very, very limited class, cost-effective, as much as polling can be, like we said last show. Yeah. Uh, I know I talked to a couple different pullers. Just like you said, a lot of cleaning up of language on it, um, trying to get some stuff narrowed down. But uh, basically keeping what the class is, um, some changes I thought would be presented uh, didn't show up. Main one being cut tires is an option. No, that one actually surprised me. If anything I thought was going to get through, I thought it was that. And uh, I never heard word of that being brought up. Mm, no. So, uh, good. I know it's got to go to the board. I believe it's gone for its first reading already. And One reading. the second reading. Yeah. Then it'll be in. Uh, another class talked about on the books. I know you and I campaigned hard this season. We did. Promoting it. And thanks to the Jennings family for coming out and uh, really doing the major part of promoting this class. We talked about it plenty, but they put the money where their mouth is and ran their tractor at any event they could. Yeah, light limited super stock sounds like it will be something for TTPA for the 2016 season. It's going to be boilerplated at 6250, basically carbon copying what West Central Wisconsin does out there with Spiegelberg's group, which puts them also in line with the Southern Indiana Kentucky groups. So good to see that Western New York as well has has a, a compatibility there. And I understand Michigan truck and tractor pullers in West Michigan who've had this class for six years at least. If Thumb does this and goes to 6250 with this, this structure, they will adopt it. Um, for those who don't know what that is, 315 cubic inch diesel twin charger, uh, 370 single charger alcohol, 410 with an intercooler diesel, 470 single charger diesel. Yep. So, actually, a really budget-friendly class. Hard to believe you're saying that with the word super stock tied to it. But uh, seeing a lot more iron popping up over here on the east side of Michigan. Uh, like I said, it's been a class six, seven years over on the west side of the state. But great to have it here. An exciting, fun power pack class. It will come with a twist. It yes. will come with one little wrinkle. These tractors will run heads up also with a single-engine modified and that's going to be, you know, one engine, no forced induction, nobody really on the horizon except for maybe one with something out there. There's only one I can think of, and we haven't seen it out on the track in a while. I was thinking actually something brand new, and it's one of the V8 Hot Rod guys. 
Ah, yes. Uh, I haven't heard anything firmed up about that one yet. No. So we'll, we'll, we'll stay on top of that. We'll see what happens as the season progresses. Um, fair convention, I don't think it's this weekend, maybe next weekend here in the state of Michigan where a lot of those dates are going to get firmed up. Sounded like the for this class, the engagement was looking for inaugural season of about six hooks, give or take. Not, not a bad start. No, certainly not. One other thing that we want to bring up uh, coming up, certainly it's we're into it now, boy. Pulling season never stops. The indoor season begins this weekend with the Kentucky Invitational at Altel Arena at the Kentucky Horse Park in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, you can find out everything about it. It's going to be January 7th, 8th, and 9th. That's the Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of this week. Go to KentuckyInvitational.com to find everything out. I will tell you we're going to preview the classes just a little bit here. A lot of these classes are local Southern Ohio, Kentucky, Southern Indiana classes. Not necessarily people I'm 100% familiar with and probably won't be. I can tell you I absolutely have no clue on any of this and shame on me. Wouldn't be the first time I've goofed something up, but we'll go with that. But uh, definitely uh, first pull of the 2016 season. Kind of culminates, you know, what's going to be going on. Winter yeah. circuit, you're going to major quite a few major events coming up within the first eight weeks of the year. Yeah, and, and that's the way it's going to go here for the next. Really, it's busy through mid-March or so, with the exception of antiques. That's a, that's a separate story. But it's real busy through, through about the first or second week of March, and then things kind of die down and lay low until mid-May when we pick up in the southern states as weather starts to break. But uh, on Thursday night down at Kentucky Invitational, you've got the Pro Stock uh, four-wheel drive trucks. Again, not a class that well, we're familiar with it up here in, in a different form, but uh, you know, I, I hate to I hesitate to put a name behind a favorite there. Uh, top four come back for Saturday night. Same in the Tem Hot Farm and the 2.6 diesel trucks. The 2.6 diesel trucks does have... Some names uh, tangentially familiar to me anyway. Uh, and same for the 8500 Pro Farm. Those are some of the guys that we have and you will see when you're at Gordyville next week. Uh, Supermod two-wheel drive. Some names people will know. Jason Calvert in the Bulletproof. Dr. Tim Messer in the Wide Open. And Joey Frazier, friend of the show there in the Running Block. Yep. And then the Light Limited Supers. Uh, they're there as well. Top four goes to... The Saturday night show, Melissa Pruitt and the Double Dealing, Oliver, Minneapolis Moline, depending on which side of the track you're looking at in there. Steve Dye, the Fence Row Fugitive Farmall, he was uh, doing some tune-ups this afternoon. He was hoping to get on the dirt tonight. I guess they were having a test session there, and he was looking to make a make an early run. Ethan Moore, the Kentucky Sled Hunter, if that isn't my favorite John Deere paint job ever. Well, I can be honest with you, I haven't seen it, but... Then again, I have been dropping the ball lately, I guess, trying to be a parent. Gosh, I'm screwing up. I'm supposed to be focusing on pulling. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then for Friday night, uh, we go to the other side of the ladder. Two six trucks again there. Uh, some more names that are tangentially familiar a little bit. But, you know, I, I'm sorry, guys. Don't get to travel down to that part of the country in, in, in the summertime and see y'all. Ten Farm another story there uh, and the pro stock four-wheel drive trucks um, competitive classes to be sure um, for friday night also super mod four-wheel drives we find brian messer and the driller 
I think that truck is actually for sale, full-bodied Silverado. Uh, so if you're looking for one. And the master, Randy Petro, Kathy's complaint. I don't know if it's the new one or the old one. Uh, good question. I I couldn't even venture a guess, so I'm not even going to and make an even bigger idiot out of myself than we already are doing. So we'll just roll on with that. Uh, Interesting entry, actually, in that class. A couple of them on for Friday night. Oz Hay coming all the way over from Missouri, the Nitroholic. Yep. And uh, everybody's internet favorite, Matt Kane. The bipolar gone wild. Yep. We'll leave that alone. Yep. <laughs> Light limited supers. Good, good second half there. Um, Aaron Pruitt on the Pruitt stables. Uh, Brandon Phillips a little insane. Just some of the names that uh, you'll see in there. Jamie Barger, who is a part of the Light Limited Super Stock travel calendar. You're going to hear more about that next week when we talk to Ed Schubridge. Leary Wright absent. Don't know if that's just uh, preparation for Gordyville. He is on the entry sheet to be over there. Yes, he is. I think he's also booked in for Murfreesboro end of the month. Then we go on to 9,300 pounds Super Farm. Uh, Jimmy True, Logan's toy, definitely one I've seen around before. Um, Darnell's maximum drive, kind of the, yep. the in-house shide tractor, at least it was for a while. Yep. Um, a lot of good entries on there. Let's move on. Uh, Saturday, we don't have much on. Basically a repeat of what you're going to see uh, from the first two days of pulling there. Final sessions for everybody but Super Farm. Yep. And, uh, like I said, same, same entry got look like what? 10 on the docket for super farm. So should be a really good show down there in Kentucky. Nice venue. Uh, in past years, they've had some modifieds in there and, and the super mod four wheel drives out of, uh, the KTP, I believe, or, or the Bob series. I'm not sure which. And so they, they've put on a, put on a good show in years past and no reason to doubt that uh, this year would be any different. All right. What do you got next on the docket for us? I'm sure we got plenty to get through yet. Well, now we're going to do some deep dive in here into some subjects. And next up for me is the NATPA and what they have done in the last couple of years. Now, to set this up, NATPA over the last several years has been accused, and I'm not going to say it's right or wrong, but there's probably some validity to it of being a little bit intransigent, uh, a little bit stuck in the mud, a little bit old school. Very, very stagnant and uh, progressing forward. And uh, Mr. Bob DeBerg getting in uh, last year in Talmadge to be the new uh, president of the NATPA. And, man, he's come in just kind of storming in and really trying to breathe some life back into the club and uh, trying to get some changes. Big ones we're seeing in classes that are struggling right now, Division Four, but the big one, Division Five, a class that's been very stagnant, very stale, and uh, Bob coming right out, going over social media, asking, "What do you guys want to do? What will it take to get tractors back in this class? Get the iron to the events? Because let's face it, you and I've been to." Two NATPA East polls this year in Mason and Shiawassee, and uh, saw what three, 
Division five, true Division five tractors. If that, and and it's been that way over the course of the last five or six years, I think, and and things have gotten to a point where everybody recognizes that they're in trouble and there's a problem, especially when you go to you go to Tunica, Mississippi, you show up at a USAP poll, you go to some of these other places, uh, White Pine, Tennessee, and in a class like a twelve mile per hour, what they call a mod farm, and you've got thirty on the entry, maybe I'm exaggerating with that number, but depending on the weight break, 30 in the entry, something is broken. Yep. And uh, what do you do? I mean, we already saw last year starting in Talmadge, trying to breathe some life, get some numbers back into Division 4 by coming out with the 8-mile-an-hour Division 4 class to also go up with the open speed limit Division 4 we've had for many years. And it made a huge difference, both at our pool there at Corona and what we saw at Mason. In the 8-mile-per-hour, you're seeing entries of six, seven, eight tractors with one one or two spilling over into the open, whereas in years past, well, recent last couple of years, we were lucky to get two or three total. Yeah, I could tell you right now, uh, last year, Dyer Goosen out of Kalamazoo running his WK40, Gary Baker running, and uh, Case, I can't think of the gentleman's name. Alan Strang. Alan Strang, yep. And that was it, you know, for for two, three years straight, you had the same pullers running in the Division Four class. Uh, you know what, though? We do have to give the exception there. The lighter weight classes, you do see the Division Four filled in better with Jim Young, John Faust, and his wife, Judy. Um, Arnold Martin. Arnold Martin. Um that makes a big diff, you know, that those classes are fairly well filled for what they are, but let's face it, it's a little more budget friendly, a little easier to haul tractor at the basically 4,500 pound weight break and under. Yeah. So there was definitely a recognition heading into the 2015, 2016 season that did something needed to happen with division four. And they did, they did make some, some changes to liberalize, certain things under the hood division three saw some of the actual same changes actually the uh not now but 2016 the way they passed the rules division three and four <laughs> engine rules will actually equalize with one equalize with one another it's just the speed limit difference between them which is this maybe natpa admitting usap was right all along very well could be i mean now you're looking three different divisions running the same motor rules yeah division four um all running 20 percent over in rpms so it makes it very easy for guys to jump from division three to division four and uh that division two t no it's not as popular over in the natpa west but huge over here in the east seeing division two basically just dying out because of the popularity yeah and, and it's not to take anything away necessarily from past management and the way things have gone because NATPA is not uh, set up way some local groups are where the board really has final say they don't it it's it's the vote of the membership yes. uh, of the group so the difference that i've seen in the last year or so is is bob deberg being proactive with the outreach through social media and that's not to take anything away from past board members or management i don't know what their capability to do that was I'm not passing judgment either way, but Bob has been very proactive in asking the questions, not 
so that the board has anything to go off of and make a decision because they don't have that authority or that power. It's just to stimulate the conversation and put ideas on the table. And you know what? He's been absolutely great about it. You know, you'll see Bob post. I'm on three different antique pulling forums. You see him post on it. He's keeping everybody informed what's going on with the NATPA, whether it be events or just putting out there for feelers. You know, what do you guys want to do with this class? What can we do? How can we make this better? And I, I do have to say, great job by him, seeing him very proactive and trying to resuscitate classes that are dying. Yeah, and, and I think they've done a good job. They're on the right track with Division Four. The RPM box issue, that's a tech problem that has bedeviled them for several years now. It's, it's clearly a technological issue or a stopgap, and it's not one that's foreign to them. Here in Michigan, we see the same issue with three of the classes that we run. It's the same technology. It's cantankerous, to say the least. Absolutely, and trying to do it with portable boxes makes it very difficult. I know there have been some ideas put forward. But this year, getting the option you can run on the um, run on the boxes, or you can run a tattletale tack. Or the third option is at the end of the track, you're getting tacked hot. I personally, for for me, for my money, I want you tacked hot. I think the tattletale tack is defeatable. It it won't take anything. These guys are smart. I mean, if you look inside, you, you antique pulling. Oh, who cares? paint dryers what we see on the forums all the time you need to get to one of these poles and find out what's going on on the ground these guys are super smart they're going to find a way to defeat the tattletale i i dare say and i will put this up and i don't care the antique guys are going farther and faster with technology than the grand national circuit is right now with how they are stretching technology grand national circuit yeah, you can go buy brand new heads from Brodix every day of the week mm-hmm. to slap on your Hemi and run it. Guess what? These guys are dealing with tractors that haven't been made since 1959 or earlier, now across the board, and they're stretching these motors. Gary Baker doing it big time with the M's. Stretched them well above 500 cubes out of a 281 cubic inch four-banger. Keith Gordon, Ron Shipman, Brad Begeman, all these guys. Yep, uh... Josh Blackborn, you know. Yeah, another one. Another one. Stretching the green ones, you know. Taking the John Deere G north of a 1,000 cubes, which, let's face it, even five, six years ago was kind of the self-destruct number. You know, 860 you really was. Want, 860 was. And uh, now they're every day of the week. We can do it. And it'll live. And not to take this, this too far down that tangential road, but I'll make the argument to anybody who wants to listen. Antique pullers are better drivers. Oh, absolutely. I, My own personal experience going from a Division 5 for our local club, tractor, open speed limit, open RPM, going from that to a Division 3 five-mile-an-hour class or four, depending on where you're at. Man, I thought I was hot shit before. Put me on that three-mile or three-five whatever mile an hour tractor, now you know where your driving abilities are. It's a lot harder, and it makes you think. And too many drivers are getting comfortable with the rip-it-and-grip-it style. Yeah. We've heard heard one of the uh, people that we know 
who has driven pro stocks on super farms say that the speed limit class, he gets more nervous doing that than he ever did on the 2,000, 3,000 horsepower stuff because he's got too much time to think. Yep, absolutely. But let's get into Division 5 here, what they really want to change it up. Do you open the red diamonds up for the red guys? I don't know where to go here. Uh, and this is foreshadowing a little bit of a discussion slash argument that you and I are going to have later <laughs> in this program. Where is the line as far as how far you go, is it to say anything that's Bolton? Is it anything that's manufacturer-specific and ag-based with adapter plates? Where, where do you go? Yeah, I know we're seeing, you know, some rules saying it's got to be the same number of cylinders. Same length of block. Same length of block, which gives you a lot of variables out there. Um, let's face it for the red guys in a gas situation, which is where we're at, you know, running that class. What do you do? The C301 can only be stretched so far. Yeah. And the limits. And that's important because they changed the age limits down through division three. Yep. So now myself is am now able to right in, in your there. wheelhouse now. Yep. Right where I want to be. And uh, C301, you can only get it so far. And uh, you can drop in a factory red diamond and be over that max. A lot. Way beyond that max. Uh, for given the limited uh, right RPMs. The self-destruct point for the C301 is right where the red diamond 451 is kicking in. Yeah, and you can go to the, and there's a bigger red diamond beyond 501. that. 501. Yeah. So definitely options there. Green guys, I mean... You're still stuck with the two cylinders, so you are basically going to be where you're at. Um, Alice Chalmers, you're still limit. You know where where do you go with them? What do you allow to be bolted in? Do you allow them up to the D17 block to be bolted in the six cylinder? Well, and I guess looking at the landscape of Division Five out there, it's above. I'm going to say five thousand pounds. It's Case versus Moline anyway, because they're the only ones that can go out beyond a 1,000 cubic inch where you have to be with the RPM limit. Yep, so Moline's, you're well, running the, 800 And the blocks. deers can, but they can't wind them up that hard. Yeah, so, I don't so. want them to wind them that hard. No. They're, <laughs> no, no, no. The 1,000 cubic inch deers are great in a Division three at 7,500 7, 7, pounds, but in a 5,000 pound class going wide open get nervous i don't want to hear a deer turning over 1500 rpms to begin with i've heard one it has a steel flywheel sounds awesome yeah it still sounds scary though <laughs> it's not your left foot that's in danger, right so. uh the, the other big class talk about is your the brand in that class talk about is oliver's do you allow them the big waukesha and I don't know. I, I'm not savvy enough. I, I couldn't tell you that. You know, this is what's coming up. It's not a direct bolt-in motor. You know, but if we're going to go to the RDs in a in a four sixty five sixty, you have to give it to them because it's adapter plate transition. Yep. So it makes it really difficult. And they're still trying to keep it where they're not running diesel. You know, do we allow diesels in? Do you allow the Fords to come in 
with their four bangers and uh, run a turbo diesel in there. Well, you get in, we're running indoor poles. You got smoke to deal with now. I don't necessarily see a problem with the diesels, but I don't think we're ever going to see whistles. Just it won't happen. Yep. A little difficult. And I mean, there's a couple naturally aspirated diesels running out there right now. I can think of a D17 out there currently running with the NATPA. And he's running Division 2, I believe, but just really isn't super competitive just because he's not getting that air in there to build the horsepower that he needs without the whistle bolted on. Well, there's only one thing that's absolutely certain, and that is that you've got to join any TPA and show up to the meeting if anything's going to change in Division 5 for, I guess now it would be 2017, 2018, the way things are structured within the group. So if, if you are interested in this, you need to do your homework, do some research. There's been some discussion in, in the various forums on Facebook on this subject and some good ideas put forth, but... The majority of the ideas and people commenting on it, they're not members of the club. So the only way to make sure that change is going to happen is you are going to have to show up at Mason first weekend of April and be a member and have your voice heard. That's the only way. Absolutely. Uh, hopefully we see something revived because, you know, this has the potential of being a really, really awesome class. And uh, another thing we didn't even mention yet is where do you allow them to open up to RPMs? That was a, a piece of the conversation. Is it going to be a hard and fast 3,000? Do we stick with the, the 20%? Is it 30%, etc.? I, for my part, the thing that's important to me is the safety aspect. When we start tap dancing at 3,000 RPM, you've got to have... SFI parts in the clutch and the flywheel, that's going to tick some people off. This show is going to tick you off. If you listen to me, I'm going to make you mad because I'm going to make sure you're safe. You make me mad every day anyways. So I don't care. Point. Deal with it. If You're going to spend $30,000 on some giant stroker engine and you won't drop three grand to protect your own self with the proper blanketing, a clutch, and a, a flywheel. I don't want you at my show. Get out. Not only that. I want the pressed steel flywheel in there, too, because I just spent $30,000 on a motor. I don't want that cast flywheel coming apart and cutting my tractor in half. We've seen the videos out there. Famous one of the 1206 out in California. Yeah. Rack sticking wide open and torque converter letting go on it. And oh, People have been running 3,000 RPM for ages on cast flywheels. Yeah, well, Adam Beal's dead because of a stock tractor, okay? Enough. Yep. So, I think it's now to, to go to your original question. Now that I'm <laughs> done being really pissed off, I actually kind of like the idea of a flat three thousand. I think it's the way to do it. Uh, the only thing though is, what do you do for the deers? Three. You put the flywheel and the clutch in. I don't care. Three. Spin that thing. We can do that. I will be wa watching or excuse me, listening. From the next county. <laughs> You'll <laughs> hear it. unbalanced two-bangers go down the track. You'll hear it. <laughs> I mean, 10 inches of throw, a stroke. Spinning at 3,000 RPMs is never pretty. <laughs> you know what? Maybe a, maybe a further piece of this should be is the mandate for frame tie bars. <laughs> since, <laughs> since I just got seriously red-faced and red-ass about safety, that maybe tie bars should be in there, too. <laughs> 
Oh, so definitely, uh, definitely some thoughts to think about on Division Boy, Four. That escalated quickly. Yes, it yeah, did. yeah. That's I mean, kinda... that really got out of hand fast. Oh, you have no idea. The, the the real discussion hasn't started yet. Just wait. Yeah, the last discussion of the show we've saved for last, and we aren't going to give you any hints. But uh, it's going to get a little heated in here. Uh, see how that goes. But uh, we're going to take a break here, give you guys a minute to collect your thoughts on that, and give us a minute to rest our voices a little bit. And have an obscene profit center timeout. Yep. So we will talk to you and uh, listen to our sponsors. Have you been injured or think you've been injured? Contact the law offices of Dewey, Screwham, and Howe. Auto accident, medical malpractice, slip and fall, dog bite, asbestos. Your boss is a jerk. Nothing worth reading in the paper? Some swamp gas bent the sun's rays and erased your mind? Sit down with our friendly professional staff for a free confidential consultation and cross-examination. Seriously, how can be downright mean? Let the law offices of Dewey, Screwham, and Howe decide who should pay and how much. It could even be you. No, it'll definitely be you. The law offices of Dewey, Screwham, and Howe. Call 888-555-1234 or online at www.sidetrackpulling.com. That's 888-555-1234 or www.sidetrackpulling.com. Dewey, Screwham, and Howe are not officially licensed attorneys and are obnoxious subsidiary of Sidetrack LLC. No guarantees implied. Not available in any areas. Lots of restrictions will apply. Celebrity voice impersonated. Paid for by Ricky Bobby for Congress. Ah, way to start off the second segment in style. Maybe you get a sponsor. I like beer. It makes me a jolly good fellow. I like beer. You drank a lot. All right, Charles, what's the next topic on the docket here tonight? Something that came up in the last week or so that uh, uh, David Doobie turned me on to was a story about a racetrack here in Michigan, dirt track. I, I haven't found out which one it was that closed and they were hanging their hat on the idea of social media destroying their fan base. Ah, uh, yes. You uh, told me about this one. I know I have opinions on it as a promoter. You do uh, promote, promote, pull yourself. I do three this year alone and uh, going to be probably doing three to four again next year. But, uh, why don't you give us a little background on what the story said before I chime in on my thoughts on this whole ordeal? It wasn't a proper news story. It was more of a commentary piece. And the idea that this outgoing promoter had was an entitlement concept that just the fact that we exist should be good enough to draw a crowd and put on a show on a weekly basis and what have you. And with the emergence of social media, People can find out what's happening at their racetrack on the night of the the race and never get off the couch, never have to spend the ticket money, never have to actually spin the turnstile and come in. And I reject that idea wholeheartedly. It's a failure to engage. Yeah, why don't you give your opinions on it? Because I know I'm going to go full rant on this one. Yeah, and I'm probably right in line with you. Well, I have a microphone and you don't. So you will Every damn word I have to say! It's the engagement idea, quite simply. And, and we alluded to it in the NATPA piece, Bob DeBerg fomenting conversation around where do we go. Racetracks have to do this. Pulling has to do this. 
and get engaged, provide the content, and encourage other people to respond to it. Send us your selfie from the track. Who's your favorite? Tweet your pictures of the events proceeding tonight. Get it on our Facebook page, things of that nature, and be involved uh, and, and push that idea and the idea that because there's this instant access is is responsible for decline in attendance, I just don't agree with. Because if you're not putting forth the effort, you're not going to get that effort return. Yeah, you know I'm chomping on the bit. And I'm going to jump in right here. As a promoter myself, I've seen firsthand what social media can do for an event. And point blank, this gentleman or this group saying social media killed our event, our track is just a bunch of bullshit excuse because guess what? They're complaining about your track. Well, guess what? Maybe you're not running the events. You're not putting the prize money there to bring your bring the good good runners in to draw a crowd. Guess what? Maybe your concession stand sucks. Maybe you got some old bag behind the counter who's got the worst attitude in the world. Maybe you're charging way too much of the gate because you're trying to scalp to get everybody you can't get every dime you can out of these people coming in. Maybe your bathrooms are in horrible shape. The grounds need maintenance. You're slacking off. You know what? Social media is holding you to accountability to make sure you're being the best promoter you can at a venue. And this whole excuse saying, guess what? You know, social media is what ruined it for us. No, you got caught. You got put on put on blast because of it. And guess what? You weren't smart enough to change what you were doing to save yourself. All you have to tune, do is tune into your Facebook. Whether you got a Facebook page or not, people can check in and create a check-in point for your event and rate that check-in point. All you got to do is type in the name of where you're at, and guess what? You can find out what people are saying about it. So you know what? It was complacency on your part that cost you your event, your venue, the whole kit and caboodle. You're going to get people who aren't happy. You get, and, and that take that as constructive criticism, what you need to do better and provide that better thing. Something that we keyed into with the Great Lakes Classic when we started it 10 years ago, and the Capozos turned us on to this. Hey, when we go to Talmadge, they give us a meal. They're the only pool that does it. We're going to do that with ours. So that we did. We still do it to this day. And you know what? It happens across pulling all. In the intervening 10 years, it's everywhere. The pullers appreciate it. You put the, we something we tried to do this year or that was new, live results up to the Facebook page as soon as the class was over. Twitter, I'm not going to go there, but I got my own things about that. But whatever the engagement level is, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever social media is, you've got to get involved. Social media didn't ruin your life if you're a promoter or a racetrack owner. You know who it ruined things for? Newspaper writers and magazine writers because they had to reinvent themselves. I would love to talk to Brian Lively about this next week. How he's had to change the Hook Magazine and Pro Pulling Magazine and the content he provides. It's no longer enough to write a story about the event and provide photos of the event and talk about who finished where. Everybody knew that stuff two months ago. And the industry is what it is when they can go to print and get something out there that they're that two that two month lag time is never going to go away. It's built in. You've got to provide something else to write about and publish about and keep the subscription levels there. And he's a guy who would know. Absolutely. Social media from a promoter standpoint, and this is where I'll step in. 
with my experience with it, is one of the greatest tools you will ever have. Flyers only get out so far. When you put an ad out over radio or local television, you're still not going to draw the crowds you're looking for because it's sent out to everybody. You're not focusing on the group you need. So social media allows you to attack that target group and draw more people in. Yes, it does. And point blank, I can tell you in my event, I run a small ant brush pull uh, about an hour north of Detroit for uh, American Legion post uh, 505 or 535, excuse me. And, oh, they're going to blast you on oh, social, social get, media for that. Considering my uh, uncle is the commander, I am in D- 525. I did get that wrong. Oh, oh my gosh. Wow. Man, oh, man. But uh little brush pull. We had an antique group in there for three, four years. My dad and I put on the pull and just weren't getting the numbers, getting about 20 to 25 spectators. The last year, we had five tractors. It was a debacle. We couldn't cover costs. It it was just bad. This year, I went out and developed my own rules, rented in a sled, ran the classes I wanted to, everything from antiques all the way up to an open class where we had three O trucks running in super farms, running with two fives, running with a thumb super stock pickup class, 470 cube on uh, Terra tires. You know, something you normally don't see out there. All I did for advertisement there, I did not spend a dime on radio. I did not spend a dime on television. I did the old paper flyers, which are great because people can stick them in their back pocket. And you're going to cover the demographic that aren't there. You get them out to the park, convenience stores. You get them out to the gas stations. You get them out to the local restaurants. It works in a six-mile radius. Works. It works great. But where I made my most bang for the buck was Facebook and Facebook events. I created a page for the poll. I sent out an event, and the best class that I can tell you that got me, that proved to me how good social media is as a tool is my street legal pickup class, which is normally a very local class. I only had four trucks out of nine that were from in county. Right. I had trucks from all the way over towards the west side of Michigan by Jackson. I had trucks from two, three counties away coming down to just have fun at a brush bowl where all they got, I think the truck classes, they got $200 winner take all jackpot. The tractor classes got a trophy. Whoop diddly do. And you know what? It exploded for having been there the year prior in this year, night and day difference. But something you did is you took accountability for the missteps this year with having exploded so big. There was some commentary that came back that wasn't favorable, but he said, you know what? Thank you. We're going to take it as it is, and we're going to fix it for next year. Absolutely. You've got to take the negative criticism. You're never going to make anybody, everybody no. happy. It's impossible. And you know what? If everybody tells you there's happy, I'll guarantee there's at least 20% of them blowing smoke clean up your ass because they don't want to piss you off. Yeah. And, you know, this year we, we aren't got, that important yet. No, not yet. But ever, ever. Yeah. But, you know, this year we ran out of parking. My pull, I planned on 45 hooks, 20 different vehicles, about a four hour show between the tractor classes that we went 
114 hooks, six and a half hours of pulling, 70 different competitors. Yeah. We ran out of parking. They ran out of beer three times. They ran out of, they went through 16 pounds of hot dogs. They ran out of french fries. Nobody knew how big this event was going to be. I was mind boggled. I got teary eyed when I found the final numbers. And man, we went from a mid three digit profit to well into the four digits on profit for this event. So promoters, pulling associations, you are on notice. You've got to get out there and be proactive. It's not enough to just exist. You can't just show up and think that's good enough. Absolutely not. You know what? This is, you know, social media is here to stay. It's not going away. Facebook isn't disappearing tomorrow. Twitter is not going away. Instagram is there. They've all found their niches. Utilize them the best you can. You see polling teams out there posting their videos and that. The competitors are realizing what's going on with social media. Time the promoters step up and take accountability. Well, most of our listening audience here in Michigan is used to hearing us on the microphone at an event and us saying all the nicest things that we possibly can about everybody. And we look, none of that's facetious. We mean it about each and every one of you. You guys are the show. You guys are the reason we're doing this. And we certainly want to uh, be out there that much more and, and promoting you to the local crowd. So we are kind of, in our own way, social market targeting this show right back at you, the participant. That's why you're hearing a little bit harder edge. It's a little bit. It's about to get a little bit harder yet. Oh yeah, we're going into a topic that I have voiced my opinion about for since the emergence of this uh, piece of pulling. I am not a fan of it. To me, we've gone to NASCAR style pulling. And what do you mean by that? What it is, is the component chassis versus old school tractor chassis. Right now, you go, you buy a rolling chassis, you slap your motor in it, you go to ProFab, you buy your transmission you want, you throw a rear end in it, and you go, huh, what brand sheet metal I want on it? You drape that over, and guess what? You got another tractor. Looks like that guy's tractor over there, just different sheet metal. You're not having to deal with the issues of a factory drivetrain balance of uh, balance of the drivetrain, things like that. You know, weight not being quite where you want it. Now you can put the weight wherever you want. You've turned it into a cookie cutter NASCAR class, and point blank, it pisses me off. And to me, it's really hurt the open super stock the most because now we're seeing tractors out there with the 903 Cummins motor in it, which was never available in a two wheel drive tractor ever. Ever, anywhere, even Stagger, when they built their two-wheel drive prototype, didn't have a V8 Cummins in it. Guess what? Let's slap it in here. Now we're making stupid horsepower again. You bypass the technology chain. I hate it. I agree with you on the V8s, at least as far as comes to 903 Stagger. The, the, any engine, any sheet metal, run what you brung and you can't brung enough. It I it doesn't appeal to me, but I do disagree with you on component chassis. Oh, do tell me why you're an idiot. Well, I'm also the same guy who had no problem with 3,000 RPM and a John Deere. It's also why I have no problem with somebody replacing driveline parts and castings when they're putting 5,000 horsepower behind it. 
Oh, that's just chicken. Because, I mean, you can take a ProFab transmission, you drop it in the housing, and guess what? It appears the same. It does appear the same, but when you've hugged that thing out and it's paper thin and they break. Guess what? So be it. You might be reaching the peak of your horsepower. Let's not have cookie cutter. You know, I know you're a NASCAR guy. What do you feel about restrictor plate racing? I hate restrictor plate racing. What yeah. do I What do I say when I open a one liter bottle and that plastic thing's under the cap? <laughs> I hate restrictor plate racing and I hate restrictor plate pouring. <laughs> exactly. What I see we're going to be getting to, and this is my worry, is in the future, we're going to be getting to the point where every tractor's running the same, and they're going to go, well, the horsepower's way too out of control, so we got to castrate it back. But it is. So we do need to castrate it back already? No. No? Absolutely not. Well, explain your side of this, because I'm going to keep ranting the rest of the damn show. We've said, and it's already gone past this point, that, that pro stock is the pinnacle on the single charger side and open super stock is the pinnacle on the multi-charger side. Horsepower levels have gone beyond what the castings could ever handle. I think from a safety standpoint, you need the high shaft speeds that the SES or ProFab, or I don't care who you get it from, box comes from, and put it through whatever rear end your little heart can desire and then spin it out to a planetary where you slow it back down and have all that torque multiplication happen at the hub, where if you break that hub, it's going to be bad, but not nearly as bad as you bust a whole casting off. I think that's wholly unsafe because these guys are going to take a, t- a 706 rear end and hog it out till it's paper thin and then try to throw a Brent Long 650 in front of it, and it's going to be not pretty. Well, you're going to have that. I mean, okay. Put it to you this way, are we now seeing the wussification of uh, tractor pulling? No, I think we just need to be smarter about how we build them, quite honestly. If we've already gone there and we've said this is the pinnacle, this is the top level, you don't run a factory chassis in NASCAR. You don't do it in the World Endurance Championship. You don't do it in Baja. You're they're Nowhere are you running an original frame underneath a, a tin tops, BTCC. I don't care where you go. V8 supercars in Australia, they're tube frame everywhere. That's where we're at. Well, fortunately in pulling, since basically almost the beginning, if you want to go super crazy and be able to move the weight wherever you want, guess what class they had for you? The modified. You could do a Cromali chassis. You could do a channel frame chassis. It's basically the same, a longer version of a two-wheel drive tractor. You know, that's Not going to work. It is. Not going to work. Why not? Because you can pile on three Hemis for what the weight of one DT-466 is. So be it. So you're not super stock anymore. You're modified. Guess what? Super stock, super stock. The diesel guys, you know, they worked how long at 3,000, 4,000 RPMs with the factory castings. Lustix did it for years, running 5,000 horsepower through, through a factory component tractor. Before they went to a component chassis. They were lucky. They were able to use the white or the Oliver that had the ca- had the planetaries out back. You know what? Everybody's got their choice of chassis. So now we're all white and all Oliver. We're back to NASCARization. Well, guess what? So what? You know what? Every class finds a t- you know finds their niche. Let's face it. We watched Alice Chalmers fall away from the super stock class. The th- front runner for, let's face it, the late 80s, early 90s. Alice Chalmers was one of the top runners, four Charger Alice's with the 426 in them. Ford dropped away real quick. You know, you've seen a lot of brands. It turned out it to be a red-green war. 
You know, with the oddball white coming in, now the Agco's coming in. I still think we, you know, these component tractors, my biggest case in point, full metal jacket. Yeah, that I, yes. That- You're running a 619 John Deere block in a tractor with Minneapolis Moline 1350 sheet metal straped over. He's not the only one. That's bastardization, point blank. That is fingernails on a chalkboard for me, as are, I, sorry to 903 Cummins guys, it, the, no. They don't belong. If you want to run a V8, V8 engine, you run the 505 Massey Perkins. You're running the five uh, five fifty uh, IHV. There's only a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. Both got last. I believe uh, Boudreaux were the last ones to. Oh, there's a, there's a couple in New York. But you know, if you want to run a V configuration, you know what? There are a few tractors you can run with them. Yeah. But guess what? You can't. You shouldn't be running a nine hundred three in them. No, you shouldn't. I I I will stand here and I will I'll plant the flag of the safety. I think that the in pro stock and the open super and and I'll say the heavy diesel super as well and the light super at the top level component chassis fine do whatever you want I'm okay with that have the aftermarket gearbox you're gonna have anyway do yourself the favor and provide yourself the safety of that aftermarket hand built rear end and have the planetaries so that that torque's not going through a, a stock casting. I don't want to see an issue like at Gordyville, what, four or five years ago, where a stub, it, it was not the hub that broke. It was the axle housing, and that 30.5 went to the ceiling back there. We've walked that walk. I wouldn't want to be standing underneath that. No. That's me. Components are fine, but the any engine deal under any sheet metal? What the heck were you all thinking? I don't get it. And that brings a further point. Cylinder heads. I hate the cylinder head rule that's in place. Why are they limited to two valves per cylinder when you've had the Genesis head? You've had IH come out with four four valve heads. The technology is advanced. Why can't they run a billet version of that head? I don't know. And further, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it a step further than that. Okay, we've said pro stock. You're the king of the castle single charger, super stock. You're king of the castle multi charger. Let's go right to drag racing for an equivalency. Not that the sports have anything to do with one another, but pro stock and funny car. That's that's what we're dealing with here. Why, why the limit? If you're going to allow recast aftermarket blocks, recast aftermarket cylinder, billet cylinder heads, why the two-valve requirement? You can still run the twin cams, so you can divorce it and make it a hemi head. Why not go the whole hog? Why, why even say... A limit on number of valves. Why not a five-valve head? Why not a desmodromic valve head? Why has it got to be a tappet valve? Do whatever you want. Absolutely. I mean, okay, you want to limit down to the two-valve. Why do we ever allow overhead cams? Exactly. It went too far. Is it because you're trying to twist it too hard and the push rods can't keep up? You're breaking push rods? Guess what? Turn it back down a notch in. You reach your breaking point. Everybody's tried stressing their motors beyond what they think they can. And guess what? They've had to turn it back a notch for longevity. You know what? If you can't run 6,000 horsepower because the push rods can't handle it, guess what? Tough shit. You're not able to run it. Light Super, I like what they did. They said push rod heads, end of story, period. Great. Fantastic class. Very competitive. But for the open, the heavy, and pro stock, 
if you're going to allow them the, the latitude that they've already got in their cylinder head design, go the whole hog. Say, guys, hey, you're the pinnacle. You're the pros. Do whatever you can come up with, whatever your heart desires, or don't do it at all. Absolutely. My God, do you ever stop talking? No, and that's why we're going full rant on this one. Just, you know, it's it kills me. You know, you, grow, you and I grew up same era, watching the same tractors out there for years, and uh, now you're looking at them, and one, Edson Lane himself, he's gone to component chassis. He's still making it work, but it, it kind of has lost that nostalgic feel, and that's maybe where my whole mindset's coming up on, and I want to relive my youth whatever, blah, blah, blah. You can go all full psychologist on me. But trust me, you don't want to get in this head because it's not pretty and it's definitely not PG. No. No. <laughs> but, you know, it's... When I can go online, pull up a picture of Jeff Hurt's new tra- green tractor. I can't think of the name Fast of it. Fastlane. Fastlane, thank you. He's got pictures posts of it down to a rolling chassis. All it looks like is a modified tractor that's been shortened by, what, a three foot and like i said i'm okay with that if this is the pinnacle if we're going to call these things the funny tractors to equate with the funny cars where it's just a silhouette okay okay but the idea that it loses identity by being any block under any hood i'm that's a that's that's a bridge too far for me yeah i mean what's next is is somebody going to take the preparation h mindset of red and green paint scheme and go, let's do it with the internals. Let's put the 619 in front of the... No, no, no. Don't if... give Greg any ideas. Oh, boy. <laughs> but, I mean, if you're going to be so brand specific, I got to run this brand, guess what? You're stuck with motor limitations. You get down the antique level. Guess what? I'm stuck with just red motors. You step to the state levels. I'm stuck with that brand motors. You know what? Each brand has their inherent weaknesses. And the disadvantages, let's face it, the deer guys have been the king of the hill in pro stock for years because that 619 block, being able to stretch out to that 680 cubic inch maximum, a lot easier than the 466 for the red guys. You know, okay, fine. Guess what? If I'm going to go build a pro stock and I want to be king of the hill, I'm not building Alice Chalmers. I'm not building a Ford. I sure as hell ain't building the Minneapolis Moline. No. The blocks can't handle it. What are you going to build? If you want to be top runner, you want to walk in, be a threat, you're going to build a John Deere just because it's proven technology. You want to step into super stock? Let's face it. Hypermax has paved the way for Red to be on top for how many years? You know, the Alice Chalmers, they were on the top. Guess what? Cubic inches increased. The 426 couldn't keep up. You know, then they went to the Detroit Cummins. And actually, that's that's where things get... Detroit, yeah. Uh, yeah, things get a little bit more muddled. The the Series 40 Detroit 466 block, and with the head limits, you can, hey, whatever. Now you wind up with Youngblood. Yep. Yeah, you've seen a resurgence in Agco... Alice, whichever one you good want for to call. And good for them because they came in their defense. I stood on the show floor at NFMS in 2003 or 2004 next to a whatever. And you can look at the block and see the IH casting symbol right in there. They, factory, deal with it. You know, so be it. I mean, 
But what do you do? Oliver dropped off the face of the planet as far as their six cylinders are in pulling years ago. Never really made it big. So guess what? They had the 3208 cat. Guess what? That's what Oliver said. You know what? We can't get the horsepower out of the Waukesha Motors. We're going to put this motor in. Guess what? They made more than 500 of them. Guess what? To me, that's a production-run tractor now. Yeah. But like I keep, we keep going back to this. The 903 Cummins, you know what? It came out in the four-wheel drive articulated tractors. Guess what? This is a two-wheel drive class. You know what? To, and this is this is expanding the conversation even beyond just the, whether components are good, bad, the cylinder head rules good or bad. To your point, that certain brands are limited by X, Y, Z off the factory line, and 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 the rule book as it stands doesn't make it an advantage for me. The fragmentation that has gone on with the sport to where now, literally on a regional basis within the United States. If you stick your neck out and say, I want a 403 cubic inch nitrous only on Tuesdays class, somebody will probably say, okay. Absolutely. These sanctioning bodies need to grow a pair and say, look, we've got pro stock, we've got super stock, and that's it. And we need to go back to the days where it's 5,500, 7,500, 9,500. And maybe, I don't know what the upper end is going to be. And that's another subject for another day on sled limits and, and why there's a, a restriction on the heavy side. But at least three weight breaks. You find your slot, you get in there and get it done. Absolutely. You go to the light super stock class. Ford has been a top runner in that class for many, many years. Um, Kevin Lynn, for years, 504 Rocket, has dominated that class out of Wisconsin. But now you're starting to see the Cheez-Ix and them come out. You're starting to see a good, a better variety in that class. But point blank, you know what? If I want to, when was the last time you saw a true Minneapolis Moline tractor run down a pulling track? In a Outs- outside class. of an antique in a hot class. Personally and in person, it when it was probably early 2000, and he's still out there. It, it was Mark Kohlberg. Propane and John yep. John Cespedes, uh with the Fool's Gold Pro Stock out of Ohio on gas. Those two. That's yep. it. Uh, mm, propane. Hulls hull, hull, in there too. Yep. So, you know. You and that's, got a few that's only there. three. You still got them out there and they're trying to compete. And in Hull's case, that thing is encased in so much billet aluminum to make it live. I don't know how the guy has 200 pounds movable weight left. You know, but you know, look at it. Moline had a big block. They did. Problem is, carrier bearings. Only four <laughs> mains in the bottom end kind of sucks. So it's an inherent problem. You got a girdle and all that horse shit, you know, to make it work. But once I get back to, you know, it's an inherent engineering, you know, issue that you're going up against. Let's face it. If we could build a tractor with or the perfect pulling motor it wouldn't be anything out there we'd be taking bits and pieces we'd have a cross flow head we'd have a bigger bottom end on it so you could stretch it out there every design has its advantage and its weakness i'm gonna Guess what? i'm gonna really piss some people off with this comment go for it you know what i want to see and at least open super oh do tell i want to build a diesel 640 with efi 
Why not? Why not? Common rails out there. Let's do it. You afraid of the laptop? Let's go. Absolutely. I mean, what, your uh, billet uh, pump isn't going to be uh, big enough to run against me? Quite honestly. Put your money where your mouth is. I was actually the... the... (laughs) Uh, We're sidetracked. Come on, get it out. Dual systems. Really? Yeah. You were going to primary... I was going to primary... I would love to see primary fed off, I don't care, billet pump, whatever, and supplementary fed off a common rail to tune it in. Very interesting concept. You are a little wacky with your ideas to begin with, but, you know. And I would meter the, well, I think they can do this, actually, meter the water each port electrically as well. Yeah, I don't know whether or not they can do that right now. uh, I'm stretching credibility now. I think they can. What in the hell are you talking about? Deal with it. <laughs> Excuse me, Tom. Don't you have some sort of crazy church you need to be in right now? <laughs> Damn Scientologists. But, you know, component. It's enough from the peanut gallery. Right. Component versus old school. You know, when it boils down to me, that's where light limited super stock is. Is this true? Yes. Yes, it's true. <laughs> this man has no dick. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry to hear that, Charles. Yeah. I've heard that about you, and uh, hopefully your girlfriend gives it back to you sometime. It'll be independently verified. But, but you know, that's we've talked about this class, and, yeah, we are off topic now. We started components. We've gone through the gamut. But the Light Limited Super Stock, it gives every brand the advantage that they need to make it work. You're seeing every flavor out there, you know, why not run with it? Agreed. These guys got it figured out. What's your problem? So. Besides the fact that my can's empty? Well. Stop whining. <laughs> I still got you, some of mine, but I've been talking the whole time. You got me on rant about this one. My God, do you ever stop talking? I think our sound engineer is getting a little tired of us. He's an asshole anyways, so. But uh, we'll take a little break here, and we'll come back and uh, finalize what you can expect for next week out of us. And uh, make sure you stay tuned and listen to our sponsors and uh, show them the support they so generously need. Have you ever been waiting in the staging lanes to pull and had that rumbling in your stomach? Find you parked too far from the port of johns in the pits? Going down the road and can't quite make it? Well, thanks to Pedal to Metal, it's no longer an issue. Our newest design for pullers from Pedal to the Metal, the new Portastool slash Pulling Hitch Combo, will be there for you. Made a 2-inch solid stock, easily the strongest, most sturdy Portastool on the market. Able to handle them huge behinds. Fully adjustable with over 18 inches of adjustment in half-inch increments just by removing two pins. Makes hitch height changes quick and easy allowing you to change height for class or for the most comfort for personal use. Seat and hitches are available in whatever color you desire, so you can customize to your vehicle. Just another way, Pedal of the Metal is making pulling life easier. Welcome back to Armstead and Post. <laughs> yep, well, I guess we are uh, done for this evening's episode. 
Uh, you want to fill them in on what we're going to do next week? I think we are going to drink beer. Well, before we get to that, we're going to hit the email bag. Oh, right. First show, there is nothing. So, drop us a line at ap at sidetrackpulling.com or join us on Facebook at Sidetrack with Armstead and Posh. It'll come right up. For next week, it's going to be the Gordyville Preview Show as well as the event at Murray, Kentucky uh, for the KTPA. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, Our guests will be Ed Shoebridge to talk to us about the Light Limited Superstock travel calendar and how things are progressing for the 2016 season with him. And Brian Lively, our man on the grounds at Gordyville, USA. Yep, get done with the show. I'm booking itself right after I'm done recording here. So uh, be sure to check us out, not only on Facebook, but go right to our website, www.sidetrackpulling.com. Find our biographies if you want to read more about us and how awesome people we are. And uh, be sure to uh, check us out there. Photos going to be up there soon. Spot, uh, ads, things like that. Uh, also can download all our uh, podcasts for future listening purposes if you are that desperate to hear our voices. And on further beyond that, if you're looking for sponsorship opportunities, please drop us a line and uh, Drew and I also starting to fill out our calendars for the 2016 polling season for announcing. If you're interested in booking either one of us, get a hold of us and, and we'll or try bo- to accommodate you or both of us together as a duo. We'll accommodate you as best we can. Uh, our thanks to Mark Osborne for the intro and Nick Meyer and Life Media Studios for being our engineer tonight. Well, with that, good night and good day. That was wonderful. Bravo. I loved that. Oh, it was great. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. Well, there were parts of it that weren't very good, though. It could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get him away. Hey, boo. Boo. Get out my trailer. I want you out.